0: Welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead podcast. Two Steps Ahead podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Perhaps you've heard the story, Megan Rapinoe, the soccer player for the U.S. national women's team. She also plays in a professional women's soccer league. She got hurt recently. Apparently, she injured her Achilles heel in the sixth minute of a championship match in this uh, Women's National Soccer League championship game and missed the entire game. This was going to be her final game. She was going to retire and is now retired, but she never made it through the game. Six minutes, a non-contact injury. She hurts her Achilles, injures it, and has to leave the game. Afterwards, whether in jest or being serious or maybe a combination of both, she said that her injury is proof that God does not exist. And at first I thought maybe this is something that we could do the podcast on, but then the more I delved into it and did some research on some things, I wanted to go in a different, more broad approach to the show. And that question then becomes, does God exist? And that's what I want to take a look at. But it stemmed from this story because Megan Rapinoe is – Someone who is very controversial. She is someone who kneeled for the national anthem, was uh, becoming pretty anti-American. She was a part of the women's uh, national team that wanted equal pay, like men did. Um, You know, was a part of World Cups. But the one thing that eluded her was apparently a championship in this women's soccer league that her team eventually lost. And so she's off into retirement. But afterwards, she said that the injury is proof there isn't a God. She says, I'm not a religious person or anything, and if there was a God, like this is proof that there isn't, as she hurts her Achilles heel six minutes into it. Now, a lot of people have been discussing this, and, okay, does God really care? We talked about in a previous podcast, does God care about who wins and loses a game? Well, if God doesn't necessarily care about who wins and loses a game from the score standpoint— is he really going to get into and cause someone to have an Achilles injury and end her career on a sour note? I mean, Aaron Rodgers of the 2023 football season, Achilles injury. Kobe Bryant, at the end of his career, Achilles injury. So instead of God being involved in an injury, perhaps it's someone who's an athlete, That has been involved in an activity that requires a lot of running. Maybe it's just the fact that you got injured because your Achilles gave out after years and years of use, much like Aaron Rodgers, much like Kobe Bryant. That would probably be more plausible than the fact that God was involved. She goes on to say that I thank God, or thank God that I have a deep well of a sense of humor. It's devastating to go out in the finals so early. Well, I'm sure it is, and I'm sure it was difficult to deal with. But the fact of the matter is blaming God, whether in jest or for real, like being serious, because apparently if you aren't a religious person, maybe you don't believe in God. So that brings us to, does God exist? And as I was looking through the research and kind of going through different articles and listening to different people. There were two that stood out. The first one is Neil deGrasse Tyson. He is an astrophysicist, apparently pretty smart. He's an author, a science communicator. Maybe you know about him. Studied at Harvard, at the University of Texas, at Columbia, some of the finest institutions in America. His speciality, physics, chemistry, space, science. So here's a guy that has probably seen a lot, especially from the astrophysicist side of life, looking into deep space and the other things that he's been involved with. I mean, surely someone like this must at least believe, if not in, the God of the Bible, at least in some sort of deity, right? I mean, there has to be some greater thing overseeing us than just us on our on our own, right? Here he is.
1: Do you believe in God? Me.
2: Uh, the so, creator? Uh, yeah, so I'm the the more I look at the universe, um, just the less convinced I am that there is something benevolent going on so if you if if your concept of a creator is someone who's all-powerful and all good that's not an uncommon pairing of powers that you might ascribe to a creator all-powerful and all-good and i look at disasters that afflict earth and life on earth volcanoes hurricanes tornadoes earthquakes disease Pestilence, um, congenital birth defects. You look at this list of ways that life is made miserable on Earth by natural causes. And I just ask, how do you deal with that? So philosophers rose up and said, if there is a God, God is either not all-powerful or not all-good.
0: So, Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't believe there's a God because of all these natural disasters, volcanoes, disease, earthquakes, birth defects. If life is made miserable, then philosophers say that God can't be all powerful or perhaps all good. And so he leans to the side of philosophy and he agrees with what philosophers might say. Now, what I find it as interesting is that the more he looks at the universe, the more ignorant he becomes because the more understanding, I mean, have you seen the, the space telescopes? You remember Hubble? And you get these wobbly images, but then pretty soon it improved and we got some pretty cool shots from deep space and now the newest telescope technology takes us even deeper into space. And we start to see the wonders and the creation of whatever is out there, the stars, the planets, solar systems, the mysteries of the, of the deep space. And I find it interesting that the more he sees and the more that is discovered, the less he believes. I mean, he talks about you know, life being made miserable. Well, if that's the case, it's not because of God's design, but it's because of man's sin. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. Garden of Eden was a perfect place in Genesis until mankind disobeyed God. And that's when sin entered the world, and that's when the perfect world became corrupt. Not because God did something, but because man did something. But we'll get more on that in a minute. But again, think of philosophy, because he refers to the philosophers, and if all this natural occurring disasters take place, disease, volcanoes, earthquakes, birth effects, pestilence, using the big word there, then there can't be a God. Or at least God can't be all powerful and he can't be all good. And so he relies on the philosophers. And so again, you have an astrophysicist that's pretty intellectual, pretty smart guy. God has given him a lot of intelligence And yet he refuses to see that God, or at least a deity. So according to Neil deGrasse Tyson, there is no God. Another guy that you may or may not know, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking is a guy that was another pretty smart guy. He had... uh, was diagnosed with ALS at the age of 21. ALS is Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a motor neuron disease. Um, 90% of people that get it, there's no known cause. The rest, it's genetics. Uh, Most people with ALS die between two to four years after diagnosis. Around 50% of people with ALS die within 30 months of their symptoms beginning. And then about 20% live between five to 10 years. And about 10% survive for 10 years or longer. So the diagnosis and the the prognosis is pretty low if you are diagnosed with ALS. And Stephen Hawking was diagnosed at the age of 21. Now, he was a, a theoretical physicist, a cosmologist, not a cosmetologist, don't be confused, but a cosmologist. And that is a branch of physics and metaphysics, basically dealing with natures of the universe. Probably a little bit more scientific, perhaps, than Neil deGrasse Tyson, but again, a very, very smart guy. Now, he lived 55 years with ALS. Apparently it was a slow-progressing disease for him. But here's a guy that, according to medicine, should not have lived 55 years. It was a 10% chance of surviving just 10 years, let alone 55. So he was diagnosed at 21 and died at the age of 76. If you don't know, you can do a search, or if you're listening to the audio portion, you can go over to the video portion. You can actually see. He was a guy that spent a lot of his time in a wheelchair, and he talked through um, devices, electronic devices, computer devices, devices. Um, eventually lived a life just in a wheelchair and that was it but when asked if there's a god here's what Stephen Hawking had to say we We are each
2: free free to believe believe what we
3: want. want and it's my view that the simplest explanation is there is no god no one created the universe and no one directs our fate this leads me to a profound realization there is probably no heaven and no afterlife either we have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe and for that i am extremely grateful
0: so one of the smartest guys in probably the history of mankind doesn't believe that a creator exists, doesn't believe God exists. After all the things that he's seen and learned and contemplated, he's probably talked to some of the smartest people in the world. He still doesn't believe in heaven, still doesn't believe in an afterlife. No one created us. No one leads our fate. We have one life to appreciate. Now, the irony of that is, is that his one life was spent in a wheelchair stricken with a disease. He was still able to accomplish a lot of things, but you would think that someone like him would would be hoping for something more. I mean, you compare it to Johnny Erickson Tata. She, at the age of 18 or 19, dove into a lake, something like that, and suffered a neck injury and has been paralyzed, quadriplegic for life. And she lived her life, in a wheelchair with all the pain and agony and everything. But she was a Christian, is a Christian, and she looks to eternity, life after life on earth, into all eternity. And for her, that's what she's looking for because she believes that she will have a resurrected body, a new body, as the Bible talks about. And so you get these two contrasting people with similar lifestyles, both living a life in a wheelchair, and one who is, would probably be argued smarter, at least by societal standards, with all his degrees and everything that he's learned, but yet he denies the existence of God, denies the existence of heaven and the afterlife. And his life that he lived here on earth is it. John Ayr is looking forward to the afterlife, to life in eternity in heaven. Because she knows she will have a new body. Two completely different, contrasting views. But one believes in God, and the other doesn't. Now the sad thing is, is that unless Stephen Hawking changed his beliefs before death, the life that he led in his wheelchair here on earth, probably a lot better than where he is right now. And, what's his, and what he's experiencing today. But so does God exist? We keep asking ourselves that. And some of the brightest minds, after everything they've seen, after everything they've experienced, say no. Elon Musk also was asked about God. And again, someone who was maybe not into the space and the science, but a pretty smart guy that dealt with other things in this world an inventor, a businessman. This is what he had to say.
1: I would say I generally agree with the teachings of Christianity, but I'm not a religious. Like like turn the other cheek and love the neighbor as myself and that kind of thing. But do you believe in like a God or like a higher power? Well, something created the universe or the universe is, you know, here. How did it come to be? Um, you could say whatever caused the universe to come to be is God or you know, gods, depending on your view. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I think, w- a- as a philosophy that I, a philosophy that I think makes sense, is to go out there and to, is to expand consciousness so that we're better under, better able to, to answer the questions of like, what is the meaning of life, what is the nature of the universe, what are even the right questions to ask, and if mm-hmm. we can expand consciousness, more humans and more digital intelligence. Then our opportunity to understand the meaning of life is is that much greater, and so I would call like say, like I have the philosophy of curiosity to understand the nature of reality.:
0: So he talks about the philosophy of curiosity. Now he might have a little bit more of a belief in a God or Christian principles, but he still doesn't believe there's a God. He talked about philosophy again, uh, both Tyson and Musk referring to philosophy and this questioning of a greater conscience and all this other stuff, okay? And so when you ask about philosophy, well, what is philosophy? And, again, these are three of what people, society would say, are probably three of the smartest people that have ever existed, and yet they all deny that God exists. And that's fine. I'm not criticizing them. That's, that's their belief. That's fine. But I'm just, it's just as amazing because the more you discover things, especially to the level that they're able to discover, it's almost like you would think that a creator, a God, a deity of some sort, right? If not the God of the Bible, but a deity or something outside this world had to have been involved and created something because the complexities are beyond the mind of what we can fathom as humans. I mean, you think of space. You think of the depths of the ocean. You think of the periodic table. You think of all these different things that are going on, the functioning of the body and all the complexities and the details. I mean, how can you not think of a deity? Think of God. So again, they talk about philosophy which is basically, this is some definitions that I got from various places, Uh, Wikipedia. Let's start there. A systematic study of general and fundamental questions, so general and questions, so we're going to ask questions, concerning topics like existence, reason, knowledge, value, mind, language. It's a rational and critical inquiry that reflects on its own methods and assumptions. So basically you're just asking questions about all this and you continue to ask questions until apparently you reach some sort of enlightenment or deep conscience or deep understanding of consciousness. Webster's Dictionary describes it as all learning, exclusive of technical precepts and practical arts. So basically, it's just a continuing search for answers. And apparently, there's no absolute. So philosophy can be pretty much anything a person wants it to be. There are no absolutes. Because its very nature, philosophy considers a range of subjects and philosophers cannot automatically rule anything out. That was out of an intro to a philosophy book, a textbook. Because of its very nature... Philosophy considers a range of subjects, could be existence, reason, knowledge, value, mind, language, but they cannot automatically rule out anything, which I kind of find it interesting that someone like Tyson would engage in philosophy when science is supposed to prove the absolute, right, and somehow try to find absolute At least that's what you're conducting science experiments for and stuff. I mean, you got to, like, do the research, right? And the more you research, the more you find things. But I see, uh, as I look at all this, what I think happens is that these guys miss the mark about God because what they're doing is they're relying on their own intelligence is what they're doing. They think that their intelligence and... Maybe the stuff that they study is going to lead them to some sort of answer. They want God to be proven, basically, like science. Can you prove something to be true? Now, in philosophy, you can go round and round and round on what God is, who God is, because there are no absolutes and can continue to keep asking questions. But they want God to be proven, and they want God to fit their mold, Like Tyson said, he wants, you know, why do we have pestilence? Why do we have earthquakes? Why do we have birth defects? Why do we have all this bad in the world? And because of that, therefore, God can't be all good, right? That's according to one of the smartest men around. But the difference is is that they try to believe in something, whether it be philosophy, science, whatever, but they can't rely on the faith component that God exists, and they don't like the answers the Bible provides. There was another clip. I didn't have enough time to include it, but uh, Tyson talks about that. He talks about faith. It's a faith thing. It's a faith thing, like it was a bad thing. And he goes, yeah, you know, faith, religion is is a faith, a faith in God, a faith in this, a faith in that, and he talks about it in a bad way. And it's like, yeah, but we do a lot of things in this world by faith. We take on faith that when we sit in a chair, it's not going to collapse on us. We take by faith that when we go to a restaurant and eat, the food isn't going to be poisonous. We don't sit there and test it. There's a lot of things we take by faith. But yet, for some reason, they don't believe in faith. Yet, there's a lot of science that they believe in by faith, too, which is ironic. But the Bible says, for by faith, you are saved through grace. And so, yeah, you can look to philosophy where there are no answers and there's no absolutes, but you can take on faith. Faith in the Bible. Genesis one, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What about John 1.3? All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. And then John 1, 1 through 3, uh, 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's verse 3. So you start to see where faith comes into it when you believe in God, if you believe there is a God. I mean, think about, like I said, Arnold Schwarzenegger or any number of people that have gone through life thinking that this is the only thing that we have. And after we die, that's it. There's nothing else. Matthew Perry, we talked about it recently. He passed away. He had $120 million in his estate. The day after he died, that money was still there. Could not take it with him. We can't take much with us. In fact, anything with us once we leave this earth. So let's put it into a little bit of a, a different, different perspective, if we may. Dr. Kent Hoven is uh, another brilliant guy, but he has a, a faith in the biblical principles of, the, of God. And so he answers the question, so where did God come from?
3: All right, your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays that you're thinking of the wrong God, because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If If he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth. There's matter. So you have time, space, matter created a trinity of trinities there, just, you know, time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously, and the God who created them has to be outside of them. If he's limited by time, he's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen, okay? the god who created this universe is outside of the universe he's above it beyond it in it through it he's he's unaffected by it so for and the, I, the concept that a of a spiritual uh... force cannot have any effect on a material body well, then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that formed by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you, you think? Okay, so um, I, your, your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God. And that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping. That's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Thank you.
0: So he talks about a lot of things in there. He talks a little quick and at a little uh, academic level. But again, he's talking about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, time, space, matter. And you can get into the science of it all. And that's not the point of this. The point is basically what he said is that, you assume, if you are assuming certain things, much like, let's say, Stephen Hawking or uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and others, Elon Musk and others, if you're assuming certain things, okay, you can't have an all-powerful God or an all-good God because there's these things going on in the earth and in the world that are bad, volcanoes, birth defects, and so on, then you're limiting God. And if you're limiting God then you're not talking about the God of the Bible. God's outside the universe. He's outside of his creation, just like the computer analogy. The person that made the computer isn't in the computer changing the numbers and all that. He's outside of it and programming it. Elon Musk talked about artificial intelligence and the the consciousness of creating artificial intelligence and exploring the answers to those questions and stuff. The artificial intelligence is something that's created by someone outside of that artificial intelligence. So if we limit God to what we want or how we want him, then he's not a God worthy of believing in. And so I can see where some of these other people might not want to believe in him because he's not the God they want. He's not the God that they think he should be. But instead... He's the God, the creator outside the universe, outside of his creation, not bound by time, space, and matter. And so if you put limitations on God, then he's not the God of the Bible and probably not the God that any of us should want to follow because there's limitations on that. Billy Graham the Reverend Billy Graham, who has passed away into eternity, he talks about proving God. Does God exist? And again, you can go on and on with different things, but if you, ta- if you listen to this, okay, this, I think, is one of the areas that really kind of hammers home the existence of God. Because, again, you're talking about, in that prior clip, you're talking about, you know, creation, you're talking about a deity, God, God of the Bible, and at least in you know, something that Dr. Ken Hovind believes, that there is no limitations. You can't put a limit on God, and if you do, then it's not the God of the Bible. It's a different God. So, does God exist? Can we prove God exists? Here's uh, Billy Graham.
4: Someone asked me at a university one day, can you prove God exists? And I answered no. I cannot put God in a test tube. I cannot put God in a laboratory and say, here's God. How do I know that God exists? All the evidence seems to indicate that he does. I look up in the starry sky and I say there must be a God. I look at the beautiful nature round about me and I say, there must be a God. I see the birth of a baby. Gary Player was telling us yesterday how he saw the birth of his last child. And he said, as I watched that, I knew that there had to be a God. But there's another reason. Deep in your heart, you have a conscience. And your conscience tells you there must be a God. Something down inside tells me there must be a God.
0: Something down inside you, inside him, inside me, in our conscience, is telling us there must be a God. He says, I know God exists because of the evidence. Now, that might not be the scientific evidence that some of these other people we've been talking about are looking at or wanting to see. But what about the starry sky? I mean, think about an astrophysicist and these others looking into the heavens and seeing everything that's out there. Evidence that God exists. The beautiful nature. Have you ever seen a sunset and you're just like, wow, that's incredibly beautiful? Is that not evidence? What about just the birth of a baby? See, Tyson looks at the birth defect and that's just a result of the fallen world that we're in, this corruptible world that we're in. Because everything decays in life. From the moment of birth, we start to die. From the moment of bloom, flowers start to die. From the moment of birth for even animals, we start to die. Everything that comes into being in this corruptible earth that we live in, Starts to die. But yet instead of seeing the, the birth as the miracle, the evidence that God exists, one look at the negative. But deep down, your heart is telling you there must be a God. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus saying, I stand at the door and knock. If you let me in, I'll come in. And dine with you. Talking about knocking on the heart. And we've talked about it the last couple of episodes about the heart. What's on the heart consumes the thoughts and controls your actions. And that's also the same thing that if you have a desire to deny something, then your thoughts and evidence are going to be, what can I do and see to deny whatever it is that I want to deny? Look for ways to prove that God doesn't exist or ways to say God doesn't exist because of these reasons. I mean, you can look at reasons if you want to, because, like Billy Graham said, you can't put God in a test tube, you can't put him in a laboratory. There's no science that we refer to today as science to prove because God's outside of his creation, he's outside of this universe. There's no limitations on him even though we try to put limitations on him. He's not the God that we want him to be. He's the God who he is. Now, for some of us, follow biblical principles, he is the God we want him to be. But just talking about in general, when you're talking about does God exist, some of these people have been talking about, he's not the God that they want him to be. Or they've come to the conclusion that there is no great design, like Stephen Hawking said, there is no afterlife, there is no one controlling us. After everything he's seen, the starry skies, the nature, the birth of a baby, the science behind everything, and yet they still deny. So what do you believe? Do you believe there is a God? Do you believe there is a deity of some sort, maybe something that created the universe? Do you believe in anything? There's a couple people that I want to share with you real quick, two different people. Uh, Lee Strobel, he was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune and other newspapers for 14 years. He was an atheist, okay? He was an atheist. And he began investigating the biblical claims about Jesus after his wife became a Christian. He's like, no way. You're a Christian? Uh Uh-uh. I'm going to prove you wrong, basically, is what it came down to. And so he went and investigated, and it's not like an internet search because this was probably even before the internet, but he did so he talked to scholars. He talked to other experts, maybe in the field of archaeology. He read scholarly uh, books and manuscripts and evidence. I mean, he really did the research. And what he found out was that the claims about Jesus in the Bible were true And he became a Christian at the age of 29. Now, he wrote a book called The Case for Christ, and there's also a movie out. But if you wanted more information just from somebody else who was an atheist, did not believe God existed, but then decided to do some investigating himself, he found that the God of the Bible, that Jesus, was true. And this is what he said. Okay, this is the quote, God changed my values, my character, my morality, my worldview, my philosophy, my attitudes, my marriage, my parenting, my relationships. I never could have anticipated what God would do, and so I give him all the glory. Now he's gone on to write other books, uh, give messages and testimonies and talks, You can find them all over the internet. But again, somebody that set out to prove or disprove that Jesus of the Bible existed because his wife became a Christian. And sure enough, at the age of 29, he became a Christian because of the evidence. And God changed his life, his values, his character, his morality, worldview, philosophy, attitudes, marriage, parenting, relationships, things that he could never anticipate. That's like you and me. We can't anticipate the things that God could do or will do. And so he gives God all the glory. So that was an atheist doing the research. Again, scholarly articles, manuscripts, really digging into the evidence, talking to experts. And he found it to be true. Nabil Qureshi is another guy. He was uh, uh, born into the faith of Islam, and he converted from Islam to Christianity, became an author and a scholar. He wrote a book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, which became a New York Times bestseller. And in his hunt for whatever it is he was searching for, again, same methods, smart guy, very intellectual, was working on a PhD in the New Testament at the time of his passing. But he was seeking something else, and he found Jesus. and He found Jesus to be true. And so Lee Strobel, Nabil he sought out to prove or disprove whatever side of the all you want to take to disprove Jesus of the Bible, to prove Allah existed and what happened through their evidence, through their research, through the stuff that they found through scholarly articles, manuscripts, experts, expert testimony, if you would say that they found that Jesus was real. And in fact, not only was he real and true, they gave their life to Jesus, to the God of the Bible. So Billy Graham can't prove from the standpoint of science, laboratory, test tube, experiments, that God exists. But we know God exists because of the evidence, starry sky, beautiful nature, the birth of a baby. There must be a God. Because deep in your heart, deep in your consciousness, we've heard those words before, it's telling you there must be a God. So how can you have this God of the Bible in your heart? How can you have this God of the Bible in your life? Well, again, let's go back to uh, Billy Graham. Paul the Apostle says,
5: Wouldn't you like to be sure when you leave here tonight that you're on your way to heaven? You're on your way to paradise with Christ? You can be sure. The Bible says, these things I write unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. Paul said, I am persuaded that he can keep all those things I've committed unto him against that day." I know, you can know. You say, well, Billy, what would I have to do? All right, you'd have to do three things. First, you must repent of your sins. Repent means to change, change your mind, change your way of living. Let Christ come and help you change. He'll help you do the changing. You can't change by yourself. You're too weak. But if you'll say, Lord, I'm willing, he'll help you. And then the second thing is by faith, receive Christ who died for you and rose again. You can't understand it all, but you come by faith and you trust and you put your total confidence in him and him alone. And then thirdly, you obey him and follow him and serve him.
0: And see, this is the thing that really I want to drive home. How can you be sure you're going to heaven? Like Billy Graham said, you can repent of your sins. Change your life with God's help. Just like Lee Strobel, God changed basically his life, my values, character, morality, worldview, philosophy, attitudes, marriage, parenting, relationships. Things that he could never have anticipated God changed, and he gives him all the glory for it. So he repents of his sins. You repent of your sins. And then by faith, you receive Jesus. And by faith, you believe that he died on the cross to save you from your sins. And then after that, you have a desire to obey and follow him, to follow biblical principles. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. See, a lot of it has to do with faith. Not a lot we can do. It's God changing us. God changing our lives. Like Billy Graham said, repent of your sins, change your life with God's help. Because God can do that. Because we know deep down in our heart, in our consciousness, there must be a God. And he can change our values, our character, our morality, our worldview, philosophy, attitudes, marriage, parenting, relationships. If things aren't going well for you in life and you've been trying many different things, maybe you put your faith in yoga. Maybe you put your faith in climate change. Maybe you put your faith in these other things, science. And maybe it's not working out. Maybe there's that void still in your life, even though you're pouring yourself into things, causes, other people. But there's still that void. Jesus standing at the door knocking. And he'll stand at the door and knock until the day you die. But when the day you die comes, Stephen Hawking, for example, it's too late. And once your decision has been made, whether to receive or not receive Christ into your life, then that decision is final. But we do have to be careful because there could be a time where we mock God too much. Maybe he stops knocking because he knows our heart, our heart is hardened and it won't answer. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He's always there for you until the day you die, you have that choice to make. And deep down, you know there must be a God. And all you have to do is repent. Change your life with God's help. By faith, faith is believing in something unseen. By faith, receiving that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world and then obey and follow him, serve the risen Christ. We're not talking about religion here. We're talking about a relationship, a relationship with God, the creator, with Jesus Christ, just like a relationship like anybody else. We talk to him. He talks to us. He leads and guides us. Again, it's like Lee Strobel said. When God came into his life after research to disprove Jesus of the Bible existed, God changed everything. Was his life perfect from that point on? No. Has Lee Strobel struggled in life? Probably. But it changed his values, his character, his morality, his worldview, his philosophy, attitudes, marriage, parenting, relationships, everything. Things he could never have anticipated. God changed his life. Same with Nabil. And he gives God the glory. And all we have to do is have faith and believe and confess with our mouth and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll be saved. Now, does that mean there's going to be perfection in our life? No. Does that mean that life is going to be perfect? Unfortunately not. Because we live in a fallen world, a corrupt world, we will have issues that we will have to face but we can have the peace that passes all understanding. We can have a better attitude in the way we address these things and the way we conduct ourselves when bad things happen. And most importantly, we have the assurance that life here on earth is only for a short time and that we have all eternity in heaven, which is going to be way better than anything we can experience. Or the alternative could be something, because we decide to reject God, that is going to be, not so good for all eternity. It's a choice we each have to make. It's a choice you have to make. If you want to believe there is no God, that's your choice. I'm not here to pressure you. I'm just sharing with you what I believe. If you want to believe there is a God, good. If you want to believe there isn't a God, that's your choice. You have that choice to make. But you know deep down there is a God. So you have this assurance now that you're going to heaven. You've repented of your sins. You believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. You're obeying and following biblical principles. You're serving the risen Christ. But things aren't perfect. We still fall. We still sin. We still do bad things. Bad things happen to us. Well, John MacArthur says it's not about perfection, but it's about direction. Paul,
6: the apostle, says, O wretched man that I am. He says, I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. And this is a mature believer in Romans 7, and he's saying, I am the chief of sinners. So you're never going to be at a point where you're not going to have sin, and that's part of what humbles you, right? Mm Right. That's part of what humbles you. So if you're looking for perfection in your life, you're never going to find it. So I like to think of it as direction, not perfection. Hmm. What's the trajectory of your life? Is it toward Christ? Is it toward an honest evaluation of your own sinfulness that causes you to be humble? Hmm. Is it in the direction of desiring to be obedient? I don't, I don't obey the Lord perfectly. That's why I need to be saved with an eternal salvation. Hmm. because I. Another way to say it would be this, Johnny. If I could lose my salvation, I would, right? Yeah. If I could, I would, because I don't have the power to hold it. And that, that's why the Bible tells us we don't have to hold on to our salvation. God holds on to us, mm-hmm. and he holds on to us by giving us a faith that will not
0: fail. It's a faith that will not fail. We will always have sin in our lives. We won't be perfect. But if we're moving towards God, reading the Bible, living by biblical principles, We have a desire to be obedient. See, Paul desired or did things he didn't want to do. That was things of this world. He wasn't doing the things that he wanted to do. That was things that would be pleasing to God. He had sin in his life. We're not perfect. And a lot of people get stuck on that. They feel like we have to be perfect. But like John MacArthur said, And and it's not like 51% moving toward God, 49%, because the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You can't be in this world and and, uh, serving God. But if our desire is to move closer to God, if our desire is to be Christ-like, if our desire is to serve the risen Christ, we will have setback. There will be temptation. We will get mad. We will get angry. We will go do things that we don't want to do. But there's always forgiveness. The price has been paid because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that price has been paid for all eternity. And once we accept him, then that price is paid. And there will always be forgiveness as long as we ask for it. But are we moving toward God, a desire for obedience? Or are we moving away from God and living for ourselves? Believing in our own understanding? Trusting in ourselves, the lust of self? Maybe like some of these previous people that we discussed, not judging them, but we have to look at it. Did they rely on themselves? I mean, Stephen Hawking said after everything he said, after everything he saw, after everything he studied, he determined there is no heaven, there is no afterlife, there is no God, this is it. And that's sad. That's a sad thought to think that someone so brilliant as Stephen Hawking comes to the conclusion that there is no God. So we become our own deity. You know, people think we can do it on our own. Or maybe we're taught that we have to work our way into heaven, have to have a good life. For by faith you are saved through grace, not as a result of works so no man can boast. It's in Christ alone. I played this a little bit ago, a podcast or two episodes ago. Alistair Begg talking about the thief on the cross. There were two thieves that Jesus was hung between. Jesus is on the cross, two thieves, one to the right, one to the left. Both were mocking him. And then one decided that, you know what? He is Jesus. I want to believe. And he says, Jesus, this day remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So the man hanging on the cross moments from death received salvation, and the other one didn't. And here's Alistair Begg talking about that very moment.
7: If you were to die tonight and and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I. Because I believed. Because I have faith. Because I am this. Because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person. Because he. Because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense! I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him how did that shake out for you? Because you were you were you were you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. you would never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You never you didn't know a thing about church membership, and, and yet and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we're, 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 you, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get their supervisor, Ranger. So, so, we're just a few questions for you. First of all, are you are you are you are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And and what about uh, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, On on what basis are you here? And he said, The man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now that's the That is the only answer.
0: The man on the middle cross, Jesus, said I could come. Only Jesus can save us. We can't save ourselves. The thief on the cross could not do anything but believe. Dying on the cross. Remember me, Jesus. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And from that moment on, the thief believed and was saved. And that's it. We're saved because the man on the middle cross... Said, I can come. See, people like to think that we can do it on our own. Or at least we're taught we have to work our way into heaven, right? Or we have to do good things to have a good afterlife. But like I mentioned moments before that clip, for by faith you're saved through grace, not as a result of works. So no man can boast. It's Christ alone. You know, we can't fathom the completeness of God with our human minds. He's beyond that. He's outside the universe. He's not confined by time or space. We just can't fathom how great he is. We can see and experience it through the starry skies, the beautiful nature, the birth of a baby. He can change our values, our character, our morality, our worldview, our philosophy, our attitudes, our marriage, our relationships, just like he did for Lee Strobel. All we have to do is have faith. For by faith you are saved through grace. So we have faith, and then we believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. So we have faith, and then we believe, and then we confess. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. And then like John MacArthur said, live a life that is moving in the direction toward God, the direction of God. That is the essence of salvation. Then once you're saved, you'll have the desire to read the Bible, follow biblical principles, and live a life accordingly. And God will direct you in what that is. Again, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship between you and God, a relationship between you and Christ, the risen Christ, the one who died on the cross to save us from our sins. Have faith. Believe confess, and move in a direction towards God, the essence of salvation. And once you do, that desire will come to read the Bible, follow biblical principles, and live a life accordingly. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, check out our website. It's RadioWarp.com. That's Radio. W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Two Steps Ahead podcast logo and you can see all of our video shows, the video episodes from our Rumble page. You can click on them and they'll play. You'll see an orange banner go across the page that will take you to our SoundCloud page, which is our audio page. And on the audio page, you can actually click the download button and take them with you on the go if you want. On our website, there's other things. We have a live 24-7 stream. You can click the live 24-7 button, and the live stream comes on. We've got music, podcasts, and other things. So check out our website, RadioWarp.com. We're on Instagram at TWO, Two Steps ahead Podcast. We put clips of the show and other things on there. Uh, you can email the show at TWO, Two Steps ahead Podcast, at gmail.com. That's Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. And again, everything too is T-W-O spelled out. If you need to reach out to me and you need help with anything, you just want to have a conversation, whatever it might be, go ahead and reach out. And if there's something that I can't help you with, I know people that will be able to help you and I can direct you to the right person. But um, again, through either social media, we have Facebook page, again, T-W-O, Two Steps Head Podcast, Instagram page, and the email address, Uh, go ahead and reach out to me, and I will get back to you. Um, And again, if there's something I can't do for you, I can definitely find somebody that is able to help you. Or if you just want to reach out and say hi, you can do that as well. But again, we're here for you. Things to think about. Does God exist? Well, maybe some of the things we talked about today will give you food for thought so that you can think about it if you don't believe already. Or maybe there's somebody that you think could... Hear this podcast, this episode, and it might change their mind on things. I encourage you to share it with people and let others know about it. Not for my sake, not for my popularity, not for likes. I don't do this for that. I actually do this podcast for two reasons, one for myself and then one for that person that needs to hear that thing that's being said at that right time to maybe impact and influence them. And so if you think that someone could benefit from this, by all means, share it with them, and we appreciate that. But again, two steps ahead podcasts, encouraging you take your passion, make it happen. Don't let anything come in the way of that. Let yourself be great. Again, I'm Sonny. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.